we've got a very important question to ask, and we think you're going to have strong opinions. Should we keep the song or should we cut it? Yeah. So yeah, we've given out the survey, and you know, us two thought we were big rock stars singing, yeah. a, singing along. Turns we out, yeah, we thought we were. Turns out a few of you guys don't like it. So <laughs> yeah. So as a reminder, we're doing the contest. Uh, to win all the books and one of the things is a survey so about half the people have said the song is great and half the people have said the song sucks get rid of it yeah so if it hits critical mass then we're going to get rid we're of it. it we're going to can it and then I don't know what we'll do call the ceremony yeah who knows but yeah so if you want to say keep the song or cut the song and at the same time if you want to be in the chance to win all 48 books from this season head to whatyouwillearn.com slash survey give us your thoughts yeah nice Welcome back to What You Will Learn. My name is Adam Ashton. My name is Adam Jones. Today we are reviewing a book by Reid Hoffman and Kasnocha, The Startup of You. <laughs> well, I don't know how much Ben uh, Kasnocha played. He must have, he probably wrote it. But yeah, Reid Hoffman's the main man. Reid Hoffman, he's the, uh, he was originally PayPal and then he co-founded LinkedIn uh, and now he's like a, just a VC investor and uh, mate, one of, does my favourite podcast, Masters of Scale. Mm, yeah. Free plug. So on the surface, it probably looks like a, a book about business, but it's not at all. It is, for me, it is by far the best book on career advice and career planning, I think, that you'll ever read. And, and there's, yeah, that's saying a lot, I think. Yeah, that's what um, we sort of said, that we've done a whole lot of business books and stuff, but what about for people who aren't in business? This is your, your Bible for uh I think the subtitle, Adapt to the Future, Invest in Yourself and Transform Your Career. Yeah, and it's I don't think it's just for people in careers. It's just the way to look at... And career, I guess, could mean being an employee or being in business as well. But it's just yep. a way of looking at yourself and, and, I guess, the work you do throughout your whole life and, and one way of approaching it. <clears throat> yeah, basically, and I, I think it sort of ties into a lot of what Seth Godin says in that most people think that the way to move up is to, you know, go to work, you know, do the do the normal stuff. Don't get in trouble. Keep your head down. Play it safe, and eventually, in one day, you might take your boss's spot. Yeah. And then five years later, move up. But this is sort of like going actually taking some action. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's all about action. So we'll get into it. Chapter one is all humans are entrepreneurs. So he says, when we were in a cave, we were all basically self-employed. So we had to go out and find find our own food and feed ourselves, and that's where humanity began. But then as our civilization came, it kind of suppressed it. So we became labor because they stamped us, your labor, and we, somewhere along the way, we forgot that we were actually entrepreneurs. Yeah. And so it says that basically being an entrepreneur is just the will to create, to create something different. So you need to treat your job as though you're an entrepreneur treating a startup. Yeah. Yeah. Mate, have you noticed the, um, the birds have been chirping quite heavily? Yeah, so, I think it's just the timing. Nice yeah, early morning. Nice early morning, and it's it's a nice day out there. It's a bit chilly in Melbourne at the moment, but anyway. <laughs> so we're getting. So yeah, he says the old way of looking at things was, and he uses an escalator analogy. So for for sixty years ago, after you graduated from college, you could go to like a, a big company like Goldman Sachs or General Electric. You could be groomed and mentored and trained, and all this professional development from your organisation you'll get. And as you went up the hierarchy, you made way for new people to graduate. And as long as you played nice and well, you would keep going up this ladder and then you'd get some prestige, more money, job security. And then when you're 65, you step off this escalator into retirement 
and you'll cash in on your retirement finance and then finance by your company pension and uh, by the government as well. Yeah, and basically that escalator keeps going up and when people get off at the top, everyone moves up a step and then the new graduates come in at the bottom. Yeah. But? <laughs> but, so it's not really like that. So the new, re- what it's like now, the new reality and the actual reality, the government safety net looks like Swiss cheese. Men <laughs> yeah. and women are working into their 60s and 70s. He says, today it is hard for the young to get on the escalator, hard for the middle age to ascend on the escalator and hard for the old guy to get off the escalator. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Basically, that top level of the older people, they're working longer, so they're not getting off the escalator. So the middle-aged people can't move up to the top rung, and it doesn't leave any space for the new younger people to get on. So the escalator's broken, basically. Yeah. So with the death of the traditional career path, and this is what the whole book's about, and which I really like, so also is the death of professional development that you can counter on from your employer. So it's now all about, it's all your job now to train yourself and develop yourself. And if technology doesn't eliminate or change the skill you need, then, mm. and uh, I guess if technology doesn't do it, then it can be outsourced your job. So it's always yeah. up to you to be constantly developing yourself to, to stay relevant and current. Yeah, and he calls that constant development permanent beta. So beta is like if you're testing a new software, it's in beta mode before you say this is done. Like, so by being in beta mode, you're saying that this is not. It's a work in progress. We're, we're still fixing it up. So he says you need to always be in, in beta mode, always thinking, how can you improve? How can you fix this up? So he basically says you need to think of yourself as an entrepreneur at the helm of your career, um, expand your network, get that competitive edge, and don't get too comfortable. Because he says once you get too comfortable, um, then you're unwilling to exploit opportunities that contain risk, and you're unable to adapt to this relentless change that we're seeing. Yeah. Yeah, well said, man. So it's just, yeah, we're always a work in progress, and... You need a, a lifetime commitment to personal growth. Mm. And in the past, we'll be ready, aim, fire. His way of looking at it is ready, aim, sorry, aim, fire, aim, fire, aim, fire, aim, fire. Yeah. Nice. So it's always constantly yeah. just, just going out <laughs> and growing. Yeah, nice. The next section was developing a competitive advantage. He says, we are in the business of selling also, so selling your brain power, skills, and energy. Mm. So, and this is, I guess, definitely what Seth Godin covers in, in Purple Cow, but Hiring managers are quickly overcome by the sameness of thousands of employees and it's always just a huge blur. So right now you've got to do something that stands out to be found. Yeah, and he says that basically for everything that's worth being found for, there's competition. So you're saying don't try to um, beat everyone at everything. Pick your area that you're going to excel at and that's where you want to make your competitive advantage. Mm. Um, And he talks about... uh, the three puzzle pieces, is that what you're going to next? Yep. So the three puzzle pieces, we've got our assets, which are both um, soft and hard. We've got our aspirations and our market realities. Yeah. So I really love this, man. So mm. it's this is definitely the way, I guess, startups look at it, but just applying the, this, uh, I guess, viewpoint to your own career. So assets is the things you have right now. Mm-hmm. So the best ideas are the ones that build on your existing assets. So your assets might, building on your assets might look like something, learning Ruby programming or something, that's building an asset. So you strengthen your assets by investing in yourself Mm. and that's what this book is all about. Yeah, that's it. Just learning those new skills and constantly, as he says, permanent beta, constantly improving things. And so he says that the soft assets are the things you can't trade directly for money. So that's the 
intangible things. So it's like any knowledge and information, um, connections and network, any skills you've mastered, your reputation, um, your personal brand, your strengths. And then the hard assets are the things like the cash in your wallet, stocks you own, any physical possessions. Um, so anything that has a direct link that could be sold for, for cash potentially. Yeah, phenomenal. Aspirations and values. So for a startup, a compelling vision that acts as a North, North Star is a meaningful, meaningful piece of a company's competitive mm-hmm. advantage. So knowing that what you as a person are all about and what you value and the, the change you want to bring in the world is super important. And a, a really good thing he says here is you you remake you remake yourself <clears throat> as you grow and the world changes. So your identity doesn't get found, it emerges. So a lot of people go out there looking for themselves, but it's what actions you take in your career is what your what forms your identity. Yeah, nice. Man, I had that a bit uh, highlighted as well. <coughs> he basically says just accept that um, uncertainty, especially early on. In that early on. You're not going to know, like you might have a bit of an idea as to your aspirations and values, but the more you do, the more it sort of things click into place and it starts to make more sense and then you're, you're, uh, it emerges as, um, as the world changes and as you grow and stuff. Yeah. So the next one is the market reality. So obviously it's good to, you've got your assets and you've got your aspirations and values, but then obviously it has to fit into some kind of market reality. Yeah, so it doesn't matter what you've, your vision is and what assets that you are. If you're in a dying piece of shitty industry, <laughs> <laughs> you need to get the fuck out. So <laughs> there are always industries with momentum. So you need to put yourself in a position to ride these waves. Yeah. Uh, and he says that um, entrepreneurs are dreamers. And remember, we're all entrepreneurs and we're treating our career as though we're an entrepreneur. And he says that, yes, they're dreamers, but they're also firmly grounded in what's available and what's possible right now. And so he's just saying that those, you can have whatever dreams you want, but the ones that are going to work are the ones that are founded in market realities. What people, what do people want right now? Yeah. Phenomenal. The next part was plan to adapt. And at the start, it, it has a crack at seven habits of highly effective people. So <laughs> that, that one's done. You know, bit of another dagger to your heart, Ashton. But <laughs> Mate, you also had to dig it. What color is your parachute, which you've got in the bookshelf to do soon as well? Yeah, I know. Has, but I think, what do you reckon? It's, it's yeah, it makes sense. Basically, you said that like, so one of the habits was begin with the end in mind, which when we're reading seven habits makes a lot of sense. Mm. Yeah. And he, but he's saying here that, you know, having a, a 10 year vision or having a 40 year plan is just bullshit. Yeah. So seven habits, it says like picture your actions now in the context of your funeral. So look at yourself as if you're on your deathbed and what people are going to talk about you. But he says that is okay in a world that's static, but we're not in a static mm. world anymore. So it's everything's always changing and you really don't know where you're going to be in, in three years. So the best way to look at it is to have a vision and know what you're uh, all about, but at the same time, having the flexibility to pivot in new directions as new opportunities emerge. Yep. You know, I guess the changing world that we're in right now. Yeah, exactly. In that we might have these massive grand visions right now that in 30 years we want to achieve this but in 30 years time if we look back that the game will completely change and probably won't be worth shooting for in the end so he says have a plan and and uh stay flexible so, it's, mm. so do both of these things mate so i like that um i like so he's, he calls this abz planning mm. or maybe abz if you're in uh, in the u.s but so you got your plan a your plan b and your plan z uh and so basically plan a is what you think is going to work, what you're doing right now. Plan B is like if plan A doesn't quite work, you pivot 
towards plan B, making a few slight tweaks, and then plan Z is, if all else fails, that's your backup plan. Yeah, your worst case scenario might be sitting, sleeping on your mum's couch or whatever, and if you're in a developed country, your worst case scenario is actually probably not that bad. Yeah. If you really think about it, the worst case scenario is probably eating canned spaghetti, and uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but he, he does say that uh, don't, yeah, you have to have your plan Z there, because if plan A and B fail... In, if you're in business or in life, you always want to keep playing. So if, if A and B knocks you out and you don't have a plan Z yeah. and it means you end up homeless on the street, then that, that was a bad plan. Yeah. So with plan A, you need to make minor adjustments as you learn. So that's probably like your, your job right now. But it, a good plan A offers flexibility to pivot to a, a wide range of plan B. So yeah. your plan B is your ability to pivot. So as you learn and the way to do that, which we'll get into later, is like, pursuing, I guess, little side projects or side mm. hustles on the side, which I guess increase the opportunities uh, in opportunities that are going to come your way in the future. Yeah. I like that you said that a good plan A is one that gives you the most a wide range of plan Bs. It yeah. says, yeah, prioritize learning, especially early on. Um, most people think that learning finishes when you graduate from college, but he's saying that you need to keep learning, prioritize learning, especially early on, and learn by doing. Um, and yeah, take those small reversible but small bets. So I guess Reid Reid Hoffman is a very good friend of Sheryl Sandberg. Is she who is she the CEO or CEO? CEO of Facebook, and yeah. she did Google before that. So I guess back on the again on the seven habits analogy. So for Cheryl, when she started her career, she wanted to help the world. So she started working in India, working for the underprivileged, but with flexibility and ability. To pivot, she was able to, I guess, pivot toward the uh, success she has now with with Facebook. So, mm. and uh, yeah, he, he goes through her her story pretty well in the book, which I really liked. But, but one uh, interesting thing that I guess she they, they go through. If I go through my notes, but which I've lost, but <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, when when she. Ended up in Bill Clinton's office. She pivoted there, and then she asked for uh, Eric Schmidt's advice, who was the, the CEO of Google, mm. what to do. And he said, "You need to get out of the weeds and follow the industries with most momentum." So that's someone who I guess did the the ABZ of planning and stayed flexible. And now she's at Facebook. Yeah, exactly. And so, the, when should you pivot? And the pivot is either comes when you want to pursue upside or avoid downside. So as you say, if Sheryl Sandberg she's stuck in the weeds of politics. Um, it's not really growing, whereas the tech industry was growing. So she wanted to pursue that upside of going towards tech rather than getting stuck in the weeds. Mm. Um, so that's when you should pivot. Is if, if you've got better opportunities coming or if plan A looks like it's either stalling or going backwards. Yeah. And an important point here he makes is be personal brand focus and don't put all your identity into your company because if something fails there, then you'll probably have an identity crisis. So on your LinkedIn or everything like that, have everything about your personal brand and build that so then you can take that brand to other companies and yes. that's where your value is and not just at your current company. Yeah, exactly. You want to remove your identity from your current job and your current company because otherwise, yeah, that's, that's no good. I like to, yeah, just to hit that again, what you said that, um, you know, most people think that, especially early on, you know, jobs require experience but how do you get the experience if you don't get the job? So he says the best way, I think you mentioned before, is to start it on the side. Yep. And the same with pivoting. If you want to make slight pivots, start doing it on the side. Do it on the weekends. Do it at night. 
just yeah, start having a crack at some of those smaller projects on the side. Yeah. The next part of the book, so I thought that part, that that, that first session we just covered, is like by far the best career advice. I thought yeah, it was, was absolutely my, phenomenal. Th- those couple of chapters were my fave for sure. Yeah. So the next part of the book, it goes more about into the, the networking part and the importance yep. of having a team to go after what you're trying to trying to create in oil. Yeah, he says that no matter how brilliant your mind or strategy, if you're playing a solo game, you'll always lose to a team. Yep. So it's all about building up that network, finding good people to be around. Good people to be around, people that are going to give you the opportunities, people you can share your opportunities with. Mm. So he uses the concept I to the power of we. So mm. obviously the I is important, but you kind of have that multiplier effect or the compound effect yeah. with the network around you. So it's the power of we. If you've got an incredible, strong network, whoever you are will be uh, multiplied by a significant amount. Yeah, that's it. He says I versus we is a false choice. You have to have both. You need to have a good, strong I. And you need to have a good, strong we as yeah. well. So with that, it goes into, again, I guess the seven habits kind of way, and that's all about thinking win-win and mm. and looking to proactively find ways you can collaborate and provide value for other people or where you can find the benefit for yourself. So the mutual, uh, finding the, the, the actions where you get the mutual benefits with people. Yeah. And he talks about how you need to find not only those personal relationships, but also professional relationships. He says you might have your personal guys, like you might have friends from school that you're really good friends with, but they're on a completely different career trajectory in different industries. So whilst they're good personal friends, um, they might not be that important professionally. He says you might have your people you go to the pub with. I don't know if he said that, but he says he talks about playing um, online poker with. <laughs> but yeah, basically, you need to find those professional relationships um, and build genuine relationships. Don't just think, how can this person help me? Think how how can we have a genuine relationship? Help them first, and they can help you later. Yeah, that's right. He yeah he, uh, he drops Robert Green here mm. as well. So again, professionally, and if anyone's worked in a big corporate, there's some fucking there's some some huge power games that, that oh, yeah. people play. So there's a lot of people who are you're going to be very aware of the uh, the the social dynamics of I guess forty eight laws of power corporate cultures and yeah like the forty eight laws of power. So you got to account for the insecurities, status, anxieties, and egos of everyone else. So, yeah, I guess read the book of 48 Laws yeah, of Power yeah. or listen to our episode on yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. Mate, the other thing he says I liked in this chapter, he says that most people think, oh, if I need to be going networking, I think oh, I need to be going to events and meeting new people. But he says that our current relationships, the people that we already know, we're we're probably going to we're probably underutilizing it. So he says you can start by strengthening your existing network, um, building more professional allies within that existing network, helping people you already know more, and that's a good way to grow your network because they've obviously got yeah. their own network that you could tap into later. Yeah, another important concept in this chapter on on networking, I guess, is when to let go. So mm. he says uh, friendships depend on shared passions and values, and at the same time, your own attitudes and values and interests are evolving so as you're getting older i guess the people who you grow up with you're going to kind of veer away from and mm. and over time you're gonna uh it's not delete them like you would on a hard drive but you're going to let them fade and it's a natural evolution of some relationships and mm. it's in, it's possible to reactivate these relationships at a later time yeah. when your values are aligned you can you've only got so much time and you need to invest time into relationships so at some point, you're going to hit that max and you need to delete some to add new ones. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, 
breakout. So chapter five is breakout, pursue breakout opportunities. So which you kind of touched on at the start. So you got to do pursue these like side projects or side bets mm. with limitate limiting the the downside, but going hard at the potential upsides. Yeah, most people think that it's sort of almost like a linear progression that over time you're going to keep going up. But Reed says it's sort of almost flat. And then you hit a breakout opportunity, which spikes up really high. And then you hit another plateau, which is flat. And then the next breakout, you spike up again. Yeah. So you need to be finding those. He says it's a bit of you know specific projects, connections, experiences, and a little bit of luck usually lead to that rapid breakout career growth in one hit. Yeah. So a career move that makes you feel a little over your head and stretches you to new dimensions usually contains this significant upside, which mm. might have a, a be the uh, breakout opportunity mate the bit I liked he, um, Seth Godin talks about if people ask him how do you have more good ideas he says well start having more bad ideas hmm. and he talks about here how can you the, the way to ensure that lucky things happen to you is to make sure that a lot of things happen to you yeah. so keep trying things keep doing more things put yourself out there try new projects meet new people and the more things you do the more chance you have of one of them getting lucky yeah so yeah, opportunities at the same time will not just fall on your lap. So every case mm. of uh, opportunity involves doing something. Yeah. So if you <laughs> exactly. don't do anything, nothing's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. yeah, doing a lot of lot of things and throwing a bit of shit against the wall, it seems like he advocates. Yeah, and he says that they come and go. Like if an opportunity pops up, you got to take that action. If you don't, it's going to go away. Yeah. Yeah. And he says, just just finally yeah. on that, he says, great opportunities never fit your schedule. So in addition to being inconvenient, that opportunity will be shrouded with ambigu- ambiguity mm. and uncertainty. Mm. Yeah, nice. So I guess you, you chip away at it. I guess it's just being uh, prepared to pivot when something comes and, and don't be too fixed with your what you're trying to do. Yeah, nice. The next chapter was um, about risk. And yeah. He's saying that most people perceive risk. We need to take intelligent risks. Most people see risk as bad, but he says that short-term risk increases long-term stability. Mm. By something risky short-term um, means down the track, you're going to be a lot better prepared for whatever comes next. Yeah, so some of those risks might be something like freelancing on the side of your day-to-day mm. job comes with the risk that your job will suffer. But he says the inaction is the most risky thing in a changing world, mm. which is, yeah, very good point. Yeah, nice. He says if you don't find risk, risk will find you. And one part of this risk chapter, which I really like, says pre-committing to four... So if someone mm. wanted to, to do that extra study and maybe go down the track of university for another four years, pre-committing to four years of your life at maybe another university degree might be actually riskier, the riskiest, riskiest career choice you could do right. as opposed to uh, being in permanent beta and permanently changing in, in from job to job, I guess, and pivoting around. And then you can pivot again if things don't go well. But the commitment to a four-year study is... Probably the riskiest in yeah. a changing world. <laughs> too late for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, um, mate. And the final chapter was uh, who you know is what you know. I'm not this. Yeah. So this is again touch, how emphasizing how strong and how important the network is. Yep. So how you gather, manage, and use information will determine whether you win or lose, which is which is very Think and Grow Rich esque. Yeah, and he talks about how you need three different groups of people, I guess. You need domain experts, so people who are really good at the topics that you want to pursue. You need two people who know you well, so 
you know, it could be personal relationships. People know you really well and know what you want to do, know where you want to go. And the third group is just really smart people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah they're definitely. the three sort of people you need. Mate, so that's, that's about it for me. But that's, yeah. uh, that was a, I, th- I think that was a, such a bloody good book. Yeah, mate, I agree. He, he just, in the conclusion, just said, we're all born entrepreneurs, but it doesn't guarantee that we're going to live like one. Yeah. So we need to take control of our life, apply entrepreneurial skills to what we're doing, and yeah, that's the best way to tackle your career. Mate, for me, it was almost like a relief to, to realize you don't have to have these 10-year, 20-year, or 30-year oh, yeah. plans, because I've never really quite got it. Mm. But this, I guess what he breaks down here and being in permanent beta mm. and being able to pivot as everything evolves is, is such good advice, I think, that yeah. such a huge takeaway. I like that of to get experiences, to do the things on the side that you want to do, because it's so hard to get a job without experience. So you have to almost, he's saying, just create your own experience basically by doing it yourself. Yeah, just be proactive. So, mate, yeah, Reed, he's good. He's a good Reed. dude. Reed, Reed, Reed. He's a weapon, isn't he? He's a weapon. He's a fucking weapon, that boy. Start of a view by Reed Hoffman and Ben Kastner. But I hopped on the escalator 60 years ago It was a last, last move Rod got to the top and I hit up Now I'm in retirement Oh yeah! But the escalator's broken You can't get off the top And that means no people can get on the bottom That means you're stuck in the middle You're stuck in the top You're stuck in the bottom You're stuck You're stuck You're pretty much Pretty much fucked <laughs> You're stuck You're fucked What about now? Develop a competitive advantage, build your asset aspirations, and find them up with reality. Oh, yeah, just invest in yourself. Invest in yourself. Plan to adapt. Plan A. Plan B. Plan Z. You gotta learn to pivot. You gotta know when to stay. You gotta learn to pivot to a new industry. Almost ready. Aim fire, aim fire, aim fire, aim fire, aim fire. Bang! Uh, to the power of we build and strengthen your existing network. Let go of the old friends who are doing shit, not doing shit, not doing shit, not doing shit for you. Pursue those breakout opportunities. Do stuff on the side, build your own side projects. Start some online courses on side projects. Side hustle. Just hustle on the side, get that new pivot. It's gonna get better, everybody. It's gonna get better. Oh, gonna get better on the side. Do that shit on the side, bro. Yeah, it's side.